Welcome to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Tuesday. My name is Frank Sakari, and you are listening to life-altering events on the voiceamerica.com empowerment channel. Now, since we started the show the last week in July, a number of people have asked me, Frank, what, what exactly is a life-altering event? And this is what I tell them. A life-altering event is something that we can either choose or it is something that's thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. Now think about that for a second. Every one of us has had those aha moments or, or events in our life that's changed our life for better or for worse. Now these life-altering events occur in every aspect of our professional and our personal life and in the life of our families. Now try as we may, it is impossible to completely separate the events in our personal life from our professional life. Believe me, I tried for years and I failed miserably. What life-altering events present us with, however, is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our own life and the lives of our loved ones. They are also a fork in the road and we have a choice. We can choose to fall apart or we can choose to find the courage to pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, and start moving forward toward better times and better people. I want you all to always remember this. It is never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. Now, as you listen to this show in the coming weeks and months and hopefully years, I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming show. If you have a life-altering event that can inspire others, visit the life-altering event page on voiceamerica.com, click on the button that says email the host, and tell me about the event that so drastically altered your life. How did you address it? Where are you now? And how did it impact your life? We'll review it for content, and if it fits well in this show, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. Now, this show has just been renewed for another 52 weeks. So thank you very much for all your support around the world. We have listeners in the United States and 13 other countries. So now more than ever, I need to hear from you. Let me help you share your story with the world. Now, today, our life-altering event is Aging with Dignity. We're all going to age. Aging like death and taxes are things we cannot avoid. Father time waits for no one. As we, our parents, and our loved one age, we all face a series of challenges. We see decrease in energy, in memory, eyesight, and hearing. These are all very, very common. Eventually, we may reach a point where we can no longer drive, and we face a problem of isolation. Now, there's nothing sadder than to see our parents or our loved ones failing health be compounded by the isolation, depression, and severe loneliness. Now, if that's not bad enough, diseases such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's are also associated with people 60 or older. Now, there's no cure for these diseases, and they are among the most devastating life-altering events. Unless action is taken, the issues are going to get worse. The population in the United States is getting older. Those are the facts. According to the 2018 U.S. Census Bureau report, in 2035, there will be 78 million people 65 years or older compared with 64 million under the age of 18. So we have an aging population here, folks. But there is hope. My good friend, Rebecca Growlick, along with her business associate, Renee Balcom, have started a nonprofit organization, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Now, Rebecca has published 
widely on senior topics. She was the chair of the Sacramento County Adult and Aging Commission. She founded a group called LEADS, which is Leaders and Executives of Adult Day Services. And she's the chair of the Sacramento Senior Safe House Advisory Committee. She's also the manager at uh, two publicly traded biotech companies. She has a bachelor's degree in industrial technology and an MS in systems thinking. We're also going to be touching with Dr. Ruth Lee and Benjamin Piles. We'll go into their bios in a little bit here. Um, Rebecca and Ruth and Benjamin, welcome to Life Altering Events. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Wonderful to have you all here together. The three of us met at UC Davis at the Big Bang program that was on the air a few weeks ago. So if you want to hear about the UC Davis Big Bang, go back and listen to the show a couple weeks back. Now, Rebecca, let me start with you. What fueled this passion that you have to address senior isolation? My professional, my community involvement, and my education all converging. So what happened was that my husband and I started through a sequence of events entertaining at living and memory care facilities. Now, he, I have to admit, he is really the talent. He plays the piano and sings, but I would dance, hold hands and dance with people. And so I saw firsthand that there were many people living in these facilities that never had visitors. Neither family nor friends came. And so even though they were among people, they were truly isolated. Uh, and then I also worked at an adult day program for people with dementia. And there again, I saw that our, our day program was really their only social interaction. Family would say that they weren't with us, they were sitting in front of the television. So I was seeing these people, and then as you mentioned, some of my community involvement on the Adult and Aging Commission and now on the Senior Safe House Advisory Committee, I'm seeing it at a broader community level, um, the isolation. And at the Safe House, these are people who, seniors who are at the end of the rope. They're being abused. They... Um, they're homeless. And then the third path that took me to my awareness, I would say, was my education. And going back to school and getting a double A in gerontology. And then I'm also state certified to run residential care facility facilities for the elderly. So, you know, I had to go to school for that. So these three paths, Frank, led me to this awareness that isolation is a huge, huge issue among the elderly. You know, in fact, I can throw you a statistic. Recently, the uh, University of California at San Francisco did a study, and they said that for the Americas, for our population of people 65 and older, they they think that more than 40% of those seniors are regularly lonely or isolated. So it's a huge number and growing. Now, you're a leading authority on on these senior issues, and you've done a number of things to try to ad- address the isolation. Tell the listeners, what is the, what is the value of this social interaction, particularly for these seniors? The value uh, is both physical and mental health and well-being. That's what it really comes down to for the individual. There are um, lots of reasons that isolation and loneliness kind of sneak up on us. So people like you know, those of us like Ruth and Ben and you and I, we currently have so robust social uh, lives. But as the years pass, things happen. Retirement will cause um, you know, people to suddenly have a much more diminished social life. Loss of a spouse, a friend, family. And this could be from death or it could also be uh, from moving away, people move away. Uh, there's a number of different things that happen to cause us to be isolated and lonely, and the result is an increase in health conditions, uh, which is sometimes people don't link the two together. There's a statistic out there, and I, I haven't found who um, I can credit it to, but it's commonly cited that lacking a social uh, connections in one's life on a regular basis is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So whether or not that's true, I don't know. I've heard that cited. But there is statistics to indicate um, a number of health ramifications if you're isolated or lonely. So, for example, 
statistically for people, seniors who have coronary bypass surgery, they have a five times greater chance of passing away in the first 30 days post-surgery if they are isolated, if they don't have people regularly visiting them and comforting them. Um, there's a 64% increased chance of developing dementia, which is really pretty startling and scary. And, you know, fortunately we'll hear from Ben and Ruth about how they're addressing that issue. But um, there are just a number of statistics that show that one's health is impacted if, if they're isolated and lonely. So, and one thing I'd like to mention is that we often think of people being isolated as those are the people who, you know, have these many hundred acre farms or ranches and now they're out in the boonies and they're all by themselves, but that's not true. Isolated people are all among us. So there could be a neighbor that we have who um, spends most of his or her day alone. Even in our own home, if we, um, if the adult children are going to work and then they're dealing with the children's activities after school and mom or dad are just sitting home alone, they're isolated, even though they're living in our home. They're isolated. Now, you yourself, are, Rebecca, are, are a caregiver for your, for your dad. You and I have talked about this several times. Right. What, what are some of the, the challenges facing the caregivers to try to avoid this sense of isolation? Well, I think there's a number. Many of the caregivers are are people who have full lives themselves, right? They're oftentimes the sandwich generation, so they're dealing with their, their parents maybe and then their children. They're scrambling to, um, to cover their responsibilities and to find solutions to whatever issues are coming up. So one of the biggest challenges for caregivers, especially adult children, is finding, quickly finding reliable care solutions, so whether this is food-related or transportation-related or housing-related or medical-related, um, finding these reliable sources is really tough. And, in fact, you mentioned my business partner, Renee. We actually have both the nonprofit, but we have a for-profit, which is called um, Silver Lining Network and Directory. And we vet care providers. And we business started because we realized that we ourselves as caregivers were having a hard time finding resources. You know, when you go on the internet and you, you do a Google search, you're overwhelmed with all the, um, the results. And so you spent hours looking for, for a solution to your need, and then you never know if these are reliable sources or not. So I would say trying to figure out um, the best path to take as a caregiver is probably the number one issue. And then the number two would be isolation of the caregiver because you, your life just starts to become more and more absorbed in caring for your loved one. And this is really true of um, spouses who are caregiving for their, for their spouse, you know, for husbands or wives caring for their spouse. So, Rebecca, tell the listeners about some of the... You know, you did. That was wonderful. Tell the listeners about some of the activities that, that you have put together for uh, seniors, some of the places that you've gone and some of the uh, events you've put together for them and, and meeting with these organizations, some of these senior care centers. Well, the nonprofit originally was focused on doing activities, and we did do some. We, we uh, had a private tour of a local cathedral, and we um, at the cathedral they make bagged lunches for the homeless. So we took a group and we, we prepared the bags of lunches and then we got a private tour of the uh, cathedral. So we were looking for activities that were both meaningful for the seniors, for the people with early stage dementia, as well as mentally stimulating. So that was an example. Another example is that we um, took a group to volunteer at the, um, at a library, um, it was called the Book Den, and it was where books are donated to the library. And we sorted books, and we helped there, and then we also got a private tour and um, had a lot of fun. We've actually morphed. We've realized, though, that we were making a very small impact 
on a big impact on very few people with the business structure we had. So we've actually reformatted our nonprofit, and we are now a foundation raising money to support others who are doing activities for people who are isolated and lonely, which includes people, especially in the early stages of dementia, when their their worlds shrink rapidly, rapidly. They go from a vital life to a very isolated life. so, so that's now our focus is raising money and then turning around and supporting others who are already have the mechanisms in place to really combat isolation and loneliness. Describe what you and Renee are doing in a little more detail with this directory. Oh, okay. Um, so we have this directory, which if people are interested, um, they can get just, just the homepage which is uh, silverliningnetwork.com. And um, what we're doing is we have nine categories of, of care and ranging from housing to transportation and mobility um, to in-home care, care providing, uh, caregiving. So a whole range of care categories. And we, are, we have people who are applying to be in the directory the thing that makes us unique is we're not a pay-and-play type directory. We are one where we vet, aggressively vet, every care provider. And then the, what we're going to do is we're going to offer this directory to uh, HR departments as a benefit to their, com- to their employees. And the reason that we're targeting HR or we're targeting companies is because employees, uh, um, we're finding, spend... An enormous amount of time uh, searching during work hours trying to resolve their care issues. And so companies are not getting the full productivity out of their employees. And our directory, when you go on there, we can verify that these are all quality people. They have all their licenses, they have insurance, they have a track record. And so it minimizes the amount of time that you need to search. So, again, that's the silverliningnetwork.com is our website. Now, you have to be um, a member to be able to, to peruse the whole website, but you can see the, the homepage and see the care categories. Well, that's a very interesting uh, approach, Rebecca. Most people are going to care providers or going to uh, assisted living facilities and, and, uh, and promoting this. Going to the business world is, is a brilliant idea. Because having been a corporate CEO and having been in the corporate sector for a long time, there's a, a tremendous amount of time and stress on employees when they're worried about taking care of a parent or a loved one or someone in need of, of additional care. Right, right. There's also um, an increased absenteeism from work because you, you, you have somebody who's supposed to come and take care of mom and that person doesn't show and you don't have resources to, to know where to go to get someone. So suddenly you're calling in sick or you're leaving early or um, you're not focused at work. And, and that that's why our in. emphasis is on the quality of the people, that they're all vetted. And when I tell you vetted, I'm the one right now doing um, the vetting. And there we try to leave no stone unturned. I mean, we are checking everything we possibly can so that our reputation is linked to these people. That is amazing. Well, this first segment went by quickly. We're going to put against a break here, but don't go away. We're going to return here with uh, Rebecca and Ben Piles and uh, Ruth Lee here in just a minute. You do not want to miss this next segment. Stay with us. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. 
Frank Sicari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to LifeAlteringEventsRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back. We are having just an amazing conversation here about aging with dignity. And we've had Rebecca Growlick on for the first segment and the entire first segment talking about programs that she's done in her expertise in the dealing with the senior isolation. She was just telling us about um, a directory that she and her partner have put together to vet organizations who can help provide care and assistance. And the interesting thing, the most interesting thing that she said is that they're targeting businesses. They're going to HR departments and showing HR departments how they can ease the minds of their employees, how they can improve productivity of their employees, reduce absenteeism, because if you have your peace of mind at home, your, your work life becomes significantly better. Now, did I describe that correctly, Rebecca? You did. You did. Very good. Very good. Well, we're going to move on here. Um, we also have with us Ben Piles and, and Dr. Ruth Lee, and they are developing an early detection process using biomarkers that helps either to prevent or possibly delay the onset of uh, diseases like, like Alzheimer's. Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've met, I met uh, all these folks at the Big Bang competition at the University of California, Davis, and I met Ruth and Ben, and they were explaining this process to me, and I was absolutely mesmerized with what, what they were doing. Uh, ben holds an, a, a bachelor's of science, a master's, and an MBA, and he is designated, and he designed, he designed the world's first epigenetic modifying therapeutic as a treatment for Angelman's syndrome. Now, I don't know what that means, but it netted three patents for the University of California at Davis. Now, Ben is an expert in therapeutic delivery. Now, while we, the lay people don't understand what, they, what he did, if you can pull three patents, you, you, you know what you're doing. You've got your stuff together. And Ruth Lee is a MD and a PhD candidate at UC Davis. And you want to talk about an intelligent human being. She's in the program at the same time to be a medical doctor and a PhD. She has a bachelor's in biochemistry and an MS in physiology. She is an expert in a broad range of fields, ranging from design to marketing to statistics to hard and soft science issues. She's very passionate about applying her clinical and laboratory expertise in the translating and uh, <laughs> Frank, come on, talk. She's very passionate about applying her clinical and laboratory expertise and improving people's lives. Okay, so Ben and Rebecca, welcome back. Let's get started here. Ben, in layman's terms, 
Alzheimer's scares the hell out of everybody. In layman's terms, what is Alzheimer's? Hi, Frank. Um, I'm a, I know that your listeners all have some feeling of what Alzheimer's is because we all think of it as the disease of forgetting, right? You know, we think, oh, I forgot my keys. Well, we often do that that don't have Alzheimer's. You know, what we really start looking at with Alzheimer's is where you just start forgetting the really important things of your life, like your loved ones or really who you were or are. Those start slipping away, and that's what makes it so you know, incredibly terrifying. From a, a, a clinical point of view, it's, it's within the class of neurodegenerative diseases. One way to look at this is that within the brain, it starts to be falling apart for lack of a, you know, uh, without putting it into technical a term. And one of the reasons we know happens is there's proteins that get folded wrong. And they, they have coined a term called foldopathies. And this is a group of diseases. The Alzheimer's is one of them. Parkinson's falls in there. Lou Gehrig's disease, et cetera. Um, that all share this, this same thing happening where these proteins misfold. And if you're familiar with how people fold paper, like origami, that's kind of an idea to hold on to. There's a proper way to fold these proteins in your brain, and then there's a wrong way to do it. And in these diseases, there's misfolded proteins, and they kind of gum up the works, they, they interfere, they aggregate or, or clump together, and none of that's good. Um, and this happens as we get older especially with other risk factors in your lifestyle that these build up. And when it does this kind of thing, it triggers inflammation in the brain, neuroinflammation. And that is, there's a certain cell in the brain called microglia, and those get activated in a particular way. And when they get activated, that's, that's not good. It, it, starts to basically play like Pac-Man and, and chews up the brain, making it, you know, smaller, has holes in it, things like that. And we look at that and say that's that's pretty far in where we can't do a whole lot to help at that point because the brain is is doesn't regenerate well. And so that's where we normally think of clinically Alzheimer's because they go in and take an MRI of it and you look at the brain and it's smaller, it's, its shape has changed. And all of that leads to this forgetting, this lack of cognition. Now here is something that has always baffled me and I'm sure most of the listeners around the world have, have the same question. The pharmaceutical industry has been working on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's for, for generations, and they're not successful. Can you tell us why? Well, it's these are very complex diseases. Um, you know, I'm sure experts are listening to me going, but you didn't bring in this part of it. And that's absolutely true because we have whole conferences talking about the various aspects to these diseases. It's not as simple as something like, I got a cold, I had a virus, we killed the virus, we got better. This is a whole bunch of things impacting the brain over the course of years. So it's a slow moving thing. Now, several years ago, there was, a parrot, there was a, a, an idea out there. That paradigm was that if we get rid of a particular misfolded protein, which is normally referred to as amyloid beta, everything would be fine. And so everybody spent their time working on that. And they then tried these drugs after the patients had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and they all failed, which is heartbreaking to the people that were really hoping this would be a success. Now, could it be that that is a solution? Well, it might be, but why did we think that that was the solution? Well, we build lab animals. You know, this is how we test these things. And we have some that create these aggregates of misfolded proteins in the brain, and we treated, and they got better. And we're like, okay, we've got the solution. But the trouble is there, we know the timing, when to intervene with those animals. And 
if we don't know that, we've got problems because we don't necessarily know the right time to have tried these drugs or other interventions. And I was this is where we got into this project that Ruth and I, and that we entered into the Big Bang with a bunch of other people, very, you know, this is a bunch of experts in their own field, and we all came around this problem, um, that we realized we don't know when to start the diagnosis earlier. Because right now, if you go to the doctor and you're worried about Alzheimer's, the first thing they do is ask you a bunch of questions. They say, and if you start not answering them as well, they might diagnose you with mild cognitive impairment. Well, the trouble with that is you've already had cognitive loss at that point. From my point of view, that's pretty late to actually be starting anything because the brain has already got inflammation. You've already got the aggregates. You've already got the disease rolling. And we need to intervene actually even before then. But that's when they start to think about even getting a diagnosis currently. Um, you might get an MRI after that and things like that. And then they start working on Alzheimer's. We want to move that timeline much further forward because years and years before you get these uh, things, there are these proteins that are being excreted from the brain. And we can find them. There's, there's scientific studies where you can find them in the blood. We think we can find them in urine and saliva and places like that. So we think with our technology for detection, we can enable lifestyle changes, new medications, things like that to, uh, to be brought to market. Well, this is really interesting because it seems to me that the historical model has been let's not start treatment and addressing these issues until the person already has the disease. Is that correct? That's absolutely true. And what I understand going forward with what the research that you're doing is something as simple as, as, a, as, a, as a finger stick early in the process can, can help determine the probability or the potential for this disease. Is that correct? That's what we're working on, yes. Good. We'll explain that more. Okay. We've, um, we've got a, um, a chip-based assay. It's, uh, it was based off of some very sophisticated technology that was used in a different field. And we got in contact with um, the, the engineer scientist who had developed that and asked him if his technology could be used to find these misfolded proteins that we keep talking about. And he said, I don't know, but we can try. And within a couple months, he came back with results that he had hit it out of the ballpark. So we tried another biomarker that we thought, well, this one's also associated. And he was able to find that one. And again and again and again. So our idea is maybe one protein wouldn't be a good readout. Because that could give you a false positive or negative. But if we can have this, this assay that we're developing show up a whole bunch of things all coming up, that gives us a pretty good readout, hey, something's wrong and you need to change things about your, your health, your lifestyle, and start treatments. I've sat in on, on some of your conversations and I've been in some testing where um, – People have brought a loved one who are suffering from Alzheimer's to acupuncture or to whatever. And I talk to the families, and they are scared to death. And the statement that I heard most often is, is this going to happen to me? Is this going to happen to my children? Is there something I can do while I'm younger so that I can avoid this, this, this hideous disease and, and this deterioration that I'm watching my parents go through? How do you address that? Hi, Frank. I think I can answer that. Um, so right now, our understanding of Alzheimer's is that there is a genetic component and an environmental component. So if you have a mother or father who had Alzheimer's, that greatly increases your risk of getting it. But just like anything, um, that's only half of the story. The other half is your environment. So that's how you interact with the things around you, your diet, your sleep, um, your exercise, and these are all things you can do to be able to significantly decrease your risk of Alzheimer's. So having a good diet, um, 
cutting out a lot of excess sugars and fats, um, getting good sleep, um, and exercising pretty regularly. Um, so that will help you even if you had a strong genetic predisposition. Talk about stress. I've heard and read uh, that if, if people in, in high-stress lives are also have a propensity toward this disease. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the way you think about it is that stress puts your body at a more high-intense inflammatory state. So think about a time when you were stressed, your heart rate increases, you get sick a lot easier. And if you're chronically like that, I'm not talking about before a presentation or once in a while before an exam, I'm talking about chronically. So every single day you experience those kind of symptoms. Um, So yes, you'll get sick more often, but that also uh, puts your whole body under a lot of physical stress and that definitely increases um, your chance of getting Alzheimer's. So with this test that you're developing, do, do it, does an individual have to go to a doctor and say, I want this test done? Or does there, are, are physicians now saying, hey, this is a very in, uh, unintrusive type of a test. I'm going to order it on a regular basis. What's the process, progress on that? So we're hoping that our test um, is something that consumers or patients can go to their physicians and um, and request. And uh, because we only need one drop of any liquid, blood, saliva, or urine, we're hoping that this can be a regular test for average Americans. Um, so that way they can keep a lookout on their own brain health um, in the sense that they can understand how their brain is doing at any moment in time. So that way, if they are at risk for developing Alzheimer's or declining, they can start treatments early. Um, because when you're dealing with a chronic disease, whether that is diabetes or heart disease or the things that we actually have treatments for, the key to be able to be fighting, to, the key to fight these kind of diseases is to be able to treat early. And so ones that concern the brain, like Alzheimer's, it's especially important and critical that you catch these kind of diseases early on. How responsive has the medical community been to uh, running these tests? They've been really responsive. So people have said over and over again that we need a technology like this and that this type of a technology um, they refer to as an enabling technology because not only will it enable patients to be able to get back in control of their own brain health, but it will also enable new, uh, better um, therapeutics to be developed for diseases like Alzheimer's. All right, we're up against another break. This show is going incredibly quickly. So don't go away. We'll be back shortly with uh, Ben and Ruth and Rebecca. They're, they're involved in, uh, in, a, in a new class that they're going to talk about in our next segment. Do not go away. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life-Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. 
That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. We're back, and we just heard from Ben Piles and Dr. Ruth Lee about the early detection testing of enabling technologies, and I love that term, enabling technologies, to look into and see if we can discover a propensity or a possibility or a probability for someone developing Alzheimer's later in life. Because once you have the disease, as we have found out over decades of pharmaceutical work, you can't cure it. So let's see if we can discover the potential of it early and make the necessary changes in lifestyle and diet and medication to either delay it or prevent it completely. So this has been an incredibly interesting show to this point. Now, Ben and Ruth and Rebecca are collaborating again, and they are putting together a, a class. And this class is called Enlightened aging okay so i'll just throw it out there to the three of you what is this enlightened aging and what is it about uh, well i can i'll start off so this is actually a series of classes that um renee my business partner and i have um put together and it's through the sacramento state renaissance society class uh, or program so it's um the society the renaissance society is for seniors, and they can take just a whole variety of, of classes. And we were asked to create a program that would address different age-related topics because of their popul- you know, their student population. And so we came up with the um, Enlightened Aging Program. And we are, this, this, this semester, it's six classes. We've been asked to up it to 12 classes for next semester. And, of course, we couldn't have a program about senior issues that didn't delve into dementia and is this a normal part of life or, or is it not? And if we're going to talk about dementia, I mean, who else would we have but Ruth and Ben come and talk? So at that session, which is on November 15th, um, Ruth and Ben will both be presenting as well as a woman named Laura Wayman who is a um, internationally renowned author uh, on the topic of dementia, and she goes by the the tagline of being the dementia whisperer. Um, but Ruth and Ben will be going into more details about some of the things they touched on in in this radio show. I'm looking at the uh, the syllabus or the agenda for this program, and this this is uh, for all you listening out there. This is a truly amazing program. If you're in the Sacramento area, look into this. They're talking about navigating the healthcare system. Now, how frightening is that, and and what responses are you getting from that? Well, that class we had um, we had three speakers. We had my business partner Renee is a health advocate, so she did speak about that. And we had a woman who is um, built her career on the Medicare process and getting people the right Medicare and realizing that it's not a one size fits all. And then we had an emergency medical technician from Alpha One Medical Services, which is a, um, a business here in Sacramento. And he spoke, and he spoke a lot about the POLST, which is um, one of the health directives that you should have posted in your house. Explain and there were a lot is. of questions. And I think, I think that what's always um, surprising is how many how many people say we never knew this or, or our doctors never talked to us about this information? Um, I didn't even know that this information was out there, much less where to get it. So again, it goes back to that um, 
that core issue of people don't know how to get information or what information is reliable. And so, so it was a live of the class. The biggest complaint we got was that there wasn't enough time when we filled every minute of the class. Rebecca, and explain the, what the a next class is. coming up this week is on elder abuse. And we have the head of the Sacramento County Adult Protective Services speaking, as well as a senior fraud investigator for the Golden One Credit Union who will talk about financial abuse. And we have a sergeant from the Sacramento uh, Police Department who's in charge of investigating criminal and physical abuse situations, um, not only for seniors, but she'll be talking about seniors. Tell, tell the listeners what a, a POLST is, this P-O-L-S, P-O-L-S-T, I believe it is. What is that? Uh, basically, it's a form that is, um, tell, you, you choose whether or not you want to have every measure taken to keep you alive which would mean tubes, feeding tubes, which would mean um, even if they find you passed out, that they'll try to resuscitate you, which almost invariably results in broken ribs, especially for seniors. And, um, or do you not want that um, degree of, of care that you just want to um, be kept out of as much pain, palliative care, as possible? So it's, it's a form that lets you choose um, what degree of emergency care do you want if you are in a position where you, um, you, know, you can't take care of yourself. And typically it's when you are, you've passed out or you're not responsive. Okay. So, so these this, are, so this it's, is... Um, they're, they're forms that are typically on bright red kind of magenta paper. And so it's really important for people to have them posted somewhere prominent in their home so that when the, when the ambulance is called and the paramedics come in, they see it, they grab it, and they'll take it to the hospital with you. That's interesting. That's a very interesting complaint. So this is different than the health directive you would have in a trust or a will or something, correct? This is more, let's display it so it can be quickly discovered? Right. So it is... It's a form that, like I said, it's, always, it's almost always on this bright pink paper. It can be on any color, but people are trained, emergency responders are trained to look for it. And it's what your wishes are when you can't verbalize them. So when you've had a stroke or you've had, um, or you're choking, and you know, do we do everything we possibly can to, um, to save you or not? If you've had a heart attack, do you, and they, they can keep you, you know, you're still alive, do you want to just slip away or do you want everything possible done? And um, you can change these. So maybe when you're younger, you definitely want it. And keep in mind, young people get in car accidents. They have brain damage. And if there are no instructions in place, then the medical community will do everything they can to keep you alive. So you could be, you know, in your 20s, you've been in a terrible car accident or a surfing accident or whatever, and um, you're now in a coma. You're brain dead, and there's really no chance of any kind of recovery. Well, if you haven't made your wishes known as an adult, then um, typically they'll do everything they can to keep you alive. So it has impact both for the individual as well as it has impact for their family and loved ones. That, that's an important uh, distinction that most people don't understand. That, that's very interesting. Ruth and Ben, the, your, the topic that you're in is uh, it, dementia. Is it a normal part of aging? So that was the question. Is it a normal part of aging? Aging currently is not considered a disease in itself. You know, we have diseases of aging, but they don't normally treat it as a diagnosis itself. Is dementia, you know, as we get older and older and older, as we keep pushing the, the, the number up, if we live to be 140, are you destined to have dementia? I am hoping the answer is no, but I don't think we, we have enough real knowledge to know that right now. So dementia is a really um, 
it's a very it's a complex chronic disease i would say um and so unlike a lot of other chronic diseases we've already discovered how to treat diabetes and heart disease but dementia is something that we're still in the process of understanding and learning how to treat for the patients who are suffering from it. Um, and so previously, um, it was something like the number sixth cause of death for um, for Americans or even people across the world. But uh, because of the modern advances in healthcare for other diseases, um, dementia has moved up to something like the third leading cause of death. Wow. That, that's, and something that's, like cancer and heart disease being the number one and number two. Wow. That, that yeah, and also something to think about is, I mean, dementia is really the symptoms, and there's all sorts of causes, but something, something that a disease that's causing dementia, like Alzheimer's or Lewy body or whatever it might be, um, oftentimes because of that disease, something will happen, and so the death... The cause of death is attributed to something else. So, for example, if a person has Alzheimer's and they can no longer swallow or they choke or, the, or from Parkinson's they choke and they die because of the choking, they may put that down as the cause, cause of, of death, death when, in fact, right. they choked because they had this disease or they fell because they had this disease. So um, I've heard the same statistics that Ben and Ruth are citing However, those statistics are, could be very low because oftentimes death is attributed to something that was truly caused by the disease but um, appeared to be, you know, the death appeared to be from something else. Unfortunately, we're going to have to stop here because we're just about out of time. I want to thank Rebecca and Ben and Ruth for this enlightening story about aging with dignity and some of the challenges that are being faced by people around the world. As we end this show, I want you to understand, people, listeners around the world, no matter what life throws at you, I want you to do three things. I want you to look up, I want you to get up, and I want you to never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people will come into your life. If you'd like more information about my guests, uh, email me on the Life Altering event page. Press email the host. I'll make sure it gets to them. If you've missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you can hear them on demand on a number of different places now, including iHeartRadio, I, I which just picked up the show. And I will post this on how you can get uh, access to it. Uh, let me leave you with this. All, none of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And people like Rebecca and Ben and Ruth know where the rocks are. Join me again next week and we'll discuss another life-altering events. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cop.